John, I've narrowed it down. Uh, sources close to me telling me that the Vikings are either going to trade up, trade down, stay at 12, and they're either going to take a cornerback, a linebacker, a defensive lineman, a wide receiver, or a punter. Well, I I think you missed one. Let me add uh, some reporting on my end with some sources that say that the other option is is they may let their pick expire. Hey, it at, worked, at didn't it? Did it and, not and, work? It, it worked. Kevin Williams. It was maybe brilliant. one of the best, the one of the best draft picks ever. So maybe Damn they should right. try that again going into this year. No doubt about it. Hey, this is the Viking Update Show. He's John Krasinski from the Athletic. I'm Jim Suhan from the Star Tribune. This is TalkNorth.com. Thanks for listening. We do appreciate it. Thanks also to our sponsors, StarBank. Aquarius Home Services and TSR Injury Law. It is draft week. We were recording this on Monday morning, and uh, I don't know what to expect. I, you know, it, it's hard enough, like when you get down to like the 12th pick or the 22nd pick or 21st, like they've had before, you, you have no idea who's going to actually be there, who's going to fall. But we also don't just, we don't have any idea what this front office thinks, you know, how they operate, what they really value. Or or have you discerned this, John? Have your sources told told you exactly how this group's going to go about things? No, definitely not. Um, I have not discerned it. And, and I'll add even another layer on top of the sort of confusion. I don't know if it's confusion, if it's it, whatever it is, how you would term it. But like, if you kind of read the mock drafts like if you look at 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 some of the projections and things that are around there you know they're just ubiquitous on the internet right now i think that something that is unique to this draft is that there generally is kind of like a top five prospects right that you go into every draft and you think the top five you're like, okay, it's going to be these five, maybe six guys that are in the mix for those picks. And in some sort of order, that's the way it's going to go. And then let's say the draft starts at seven or whatever it is when when it gets a little bit more muddled and, and it's eye of the beholder type of a situation. But when, you know, Arif Hassan at The Athletic did a really great piece uh, for us, you know, recently, I think in the last day or so, Kind of he he what he, one of his big things is that he looks at all of the mock drafts and he charts them and he tries to see if there's patterns and if there's similarities and things like that. And one of the things that he took away from it is and and that does seem to be a prevailing opinion across the the league right now is that the top five is a lot more muddled than it normally is, which means you know maybe you're going to have um, one scenario that happens. In the, in the top five, maybe there's two or three others that push, you know, some very highly rated guys down the board, a Kyle Hamilton, a Derek Stingley, you know, someone like that. And so, um, or, you know, maybe it goes another way where those guys aren't available at all at 12 and, and the Vikings got to look at some other decisions. So for a front office that is, that is a new look front office with new leaders, but a lot of the same scouts and personnel people behind the scenes it is just gonna it has to be a tough year this year to kind of just really dive into the deep end of the pool with these new guys is because it i think it's very very difficult to forecast what is going to happen in those 11 picks above the vikings and and um and so they have to literally have every scenario planned for coming out of it just because it, it could get really wild and 
you know, maybe they're sitting there and Malik Willis and Kyle Hamilton are available at, uh, at 12. Maybe both of those guys have been gone for eight picks. Who knows? Like that's, that's going to be the, the real kind of nail biting part of, of this draft, I think. And we're both kind of Vikings historians and some of the best picks in Vikings history arrived when a really talented player slid for either injury reasons or in, or kind of inexplicable reasons or reputed character uh, reasons that whether that or not those were true or not allowed the player to slip and the player ended up being, I mean, Hey, Randy Moss at 21, ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Percy Harvin, I think it was either 21 or 22 uh, ridiculous talent at that level. Cordell Patterson, they didn't use him properly, but what a talent to get at the Adrian end of the Peterson. first round. Adrian Peterson, because of a broken collarbone? Are you kidding me? Um, you know, there have just been re- great athletes have just fallen to the Vikings, and they have nailed it by taking those athletes despite other people's concerns. I don't know if I see an athlete in this draft that can get to 12 where you'd go, oh my God, I can't believe they got him. It just doesn't feel like there's that gr- you know great all world talent who's capable of sliding all the way to 12, but I might be wrong about that. Yeah, that, yeah, that you're right, Jim, in terms of, you know, I've been a little bit more with the wolves, so I haven't like super deep dived on these, on these prospects, but there does not seem to be the same, like a Warren Sapp, right? Like a, you know, right. like a Randy Moss. Warren like Sapp a might've smoked pot once. So we better not take him. I know, I know exactly. Um, so, the, like, but yeah, that's kind of the the situation where is there like that that elite athlete, that unbelievable player with issues of injury or, or character or whatever that that would slide? It does not seem like there is that guy. It does seem that if anything, one of the guys who could fall to them, and maybe not, but could is Stingley from the cornerback from LSU, but only not because of injuries or character, but just because he, he had some motivation issues. It seemed like at LSU, or he seemed to tail off a little bit at LSU after a sensational freshman season. And so there's a, you know, there's those kind of, you know, armchair psychologists say, Hey, does he want to play? Does he want this enough? Like that, that sort of thing. And that could push a guy like that down. But, um, but yeah, other than that, uh, then you're looking at you know, there. There isn't there isn't that tantalizing like what if he's there type of a type of a situation, and so um, that's going to put you know even more on it because like if everything kind of goes to a point where the Vikings aren't sitting there with an obvious choice with, with a Stingley with a Willis with whoever it is that is sitting right there for them, do they? trade down and try and accumulate picks and, 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 and grab a, a guy that they, that they like a little lower, or do they, you know, sit there and take, um, you know, one of their guys you know, th- that they really like. I don't think Jim, I, I mean, I've seen a little bit of stuff, uh, but I, I don't think trading up is, is going to be something that, that that's going to happen this year. I guess that I would be, supr- that's the one thing that would really surprise me as you know, just looking at this team, looking at this new regime and how they want to operate that if they moved up into like the top eight or top seven to get somebody that they really, really liked. Other than that, though, anything could happen and I wouldn't be shocked. I agree with you completely. I don't see them viewing a trade up as good value for a team that has multiple needs 
and in a draft where I, I honestly don't think this is a great draft. I, yeah. and I, I, there will be good players coming out, of course. Somebody's going to be a star, no doubt about it. But this isn't a draft where it, I think if you're an Italian evaluator, you're just drooling and feeling like, oh, my God, we'll go up to five. We'll get a superstar who's going to be with us forever. I feel it's more – it's a flatter draft where I think they would much rather trade down. This is me guessing. I think they would much rather trade down. But – because of the nature of the draft, I think everybody wants to trade. A lot of teams want to trade yeah. down, and and when everyone wants to trade down, I don't. You know, I think that means that there probably won't be that many trades consummated. The other fa- fascinating thing here is there are a lot of teams with multiple first round picks because of all the quarterbacks who have been traded, and I don't know if those people really are how highly motivated those people are to move up. Right. Yeah. Because yeah, I mean, you know, we talk in the NBA all the time about teams with multiple first round picks or a couple seconds and stuff like that. And 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 I think the average fan says, oh, they can package those and move up. And 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 what you realize in the NBA is very few teams are really interested in two for one type of prospect deals because the one guy is so important. Um, but in the NFL, obviously, it works so much. You know, it can be so much more effective if you have two first round picks. If you have you want to use a first and if you have multiple thirds or something and you you can move up the board pretty far if you want to. But yeah, with the nature of the way that this board shakes out in this class, it, it, I I don't know that, you know, just like, for instance, like when Johnny Menzel was in the uh, w- was in the draft and he was starting to fall, there were a bunch of teams, Vikings, Cowboys and Browns included that were really trying to scramble up and get him. Um, and, you know, to the Vikings, great uh, fortune. They got outbid by the Browns and, 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 and the Browns made it up to do it. But, um, but that was, that was like a, the example of a guy that, okay, he's starting to slip. Now, how do we go up there and, and get him and get ahead of a few other teams that might take him? I just don't know if there is that guy in this draft you know, maybe it is, maybe if Kyle Hamilton does start falling, um, you know, it, you know it, right into that 9, 10, 11 range, um, maybe that's a, a case where a team tries to jump up and get get him or something like that. But other than that, it I don't I don't know. There, there's you're usually chasing quarterbacks in those situations. And I don't think that teams are going to be chasing either of these two quarterbacks that are widely projected to go in the first round in that way. And I don't think the Vikings are going to do that either. So uh, it could be a, a a year where things are relatively static in terms of the draft order. There will be deals. We know that like there's going to be a couple of them, but I don't know that it's going to be the same level of wheeling and dealing and, you know, and rodeo that we have often seen before where teams are moving all over the place and the Vikings included have been very active under Rick Spielman. That's the one thing that I am really excited to kind of learn about Quezio Duffamensa, Jim, is that how how active is he going to be in terms of those trying, you know, negotiations to try and move around because Spielman was always trying to acquire future picks, trying to trying to wheel and deal. And um, and I just wonder if this first year general manager is going to be kind of in a similar boat or if he's going to try and kind of let the thing play out a little bit more and, and see what's there for him when he what you know, as it arrives. The great thing about Spielman was he would trade around to get like <laughs> 18 more draft picks and then we get to camping out. Well, our roster's too good. People. Can't yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. Well, we got, we got three sixth rounders and two seventh rounders. Well, great. Like, you know, 
I mean, how many Tom Brady's are you going to have there? Like that's, you know, that's the, that was always the, the kind of, you know, I, I chuckled at it when, yes. or, or, or like he'd, he'd trade down and pick up two future fifths and stuff. Well, all right. Congratulations, Rick. That's awesome. But like, how are you really going to use those? And are you really going to put those? Yeah. He, he, they would draft like seven guys between rounds four and seven. And like, they had no chance of, of, of keeping all those guys. So I understand bites at the apple and wanting that. That's that part of things that that's, that makes sense to me, but um, celebrating it. Definitely. Uh, definitely not. I thought one of those years when they had a bunch of fifth and sixth round draft trucks, they should have drafted like six punters. Just brought them in and just had a competition. Yeah, why not? And a couple of field goal kickers too. Just to, yeah. like if you wanted to drive yeah. Mike Zimmer out, if you wanted to yes. force him to retire, like instead of having to fire him, just do that. Like that would have taken care of it all, you know, right in one fell swoop. Let's talk about the most likely player to be chosen. Uh, first, we want to thank StarBank, StarBank.net. Big banks aren't the only ones with mobile apps and convenient financial services. I'd like to tell you about StarBank. StarBank is an independent community bank in Minnesota. They're family-owned and treat customer relationships as a top priority. You're not a customer number at StarBank, and they have no call center. It's just banking how it should be, a throwback to the good days. Mobile app, check. Convenient services, you got it. Check out StarBank for yourself. For deposits and lending solutions, work with a local community bank that cares. StarBank.net, member FDIC and equal housing lender. Uh, by the way, uh, John Krasinski, of course, also does, coincidentally, the John Krasinski Show on our network. Great stuff on the Wolves year-round, but it, it is especially fun to break things down with him during this great playoff series. Check that out. Check the Cheryl Reeves Show out. Check everything else. We have the best sports lineup in town. Check that all out. Thanks also to Aquarius Home Services. Hey, it's Russo over at the Worst Seats in the House podcast. Did you know that Aquarius Home Services is your one-stop shop for all your home service needs? That's right. Aquarius Home Services is your complete home service provider dedicated to providing the highest quality water treatment, plumbing, heating, cooling, and electrical services. They pride themselves on providing superior five-star quality service. They respect you, your time, and your home with attention to details that really make a difference. If you or anyone you know have questions or concerns about your water heating and cooling, plumbing or electrical, Aquarius Home Services is here to help. Visit AquariusHomeServices.com for more details. And don't forget to mention Russo sent you. And thanks as always to Steve Terry and our friends at TSR Injury Law, 612-TSR-TIME. We hear questions like these all the time. Can TSR Injury Law help me if I'm hurt at work? Yeah. How about if I was hit by a truck? Yes. It's simple. If you've been injured, it's TSR time. Call us today for a free consultation at 612-TSR-TIME. Stingley is the most, the name most often associated with this Vikings draft. Uh, you mentioned the motivational stuff and, you know, hey, we, you know, you cover the, the Wolves and we've talked about Anthony Edwards had that label stuck on him at some point just because of an interview he did. So you, you have to be really careful. You're getting good information if, if you view somebody that way. But I will say in the NFL, probably more than any other sport, if you're not motivated, there are good reasons to not be motivated. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's not yeah. a fun sport and you're risking your neck every time you go out there. You better make sure somebody's committed. Uh, I still remember the Vikings taking Erasmus James and it became very, very clear, very quickly that Erasmus James had no interest in playing football. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So that, that, that is the tough part of this evaluation because one, if your guy isn't all in, in football, he can't fake it. Like you're not, you're, you're not going through it that way. It's, you're going to be out of the league sooner than later that way. The, but the other part is 
like let's you know i'm trying to put myself in stingley's shoes he has an unbelievable freshman season he's you know lights out as as a player everyone in the world is saying hey here's the next great cornerback then lsu goes through some rocky times with orgeron with like you just kind of got falling back to earth you losing joe burrow and 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 jefferson and and all these guys that that leave that national championship team and it just seems like that whole program has kind of gone into a little bit of a malaise or a holding pattern and so if that is happening and you know you know you're a high first round pick but you got to keep coming back to school because of these stupid rules and and stuff like i could see how you might like play a little bit more careful that you might you know put your well-being ahead of you know what's going on on the field for a team that's kind of just languishing a little bit and and so maybe that's the case um i will say this jim that having patrick peterson back would make me infinitely more comfortable taking a guy like Derek stingley and 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 bringing him into that cornerback or that defensive back room and having someone there, you know, what no matter, you know, in addition to what you're you know, doing with the coaches, with Ed Donatel and with with everyone, with everyone on his staff, but also to have an LSU star there, a veteran who has been through everything, who is by all accounts a great leader mentor type. Um, to have him t- kind of take a guy like Stingley under his wing, show him the way, be there to kind of give him a kick in the butt if he needs it or a pat on the back if he needs it and like help him through that um that would that that would make me not even think twice if your evaluation of Stingley is this guy is legit and could even be better than sauce Gardner um you know when you look at kind of the the hierarchy of of cornerbacks in this in this draft uh then I, yeah I I absolutely take him and you also would take him thinking that okay he kind of got through what he had to get through um, and now the bright lights are on and he's going to play harder. Uh, you know, those are, those are the things that I would look at, uh, you know, this is not even close to the same world, but when I was in college and I was, you know, looking forward to joining the professional ranks of writers and doing that stuff, I absolutely mailed in my senior year of college. Like I was not focused on it at all. I did not care. I just needed to do what I needed to do to get out of there and get, to um to start to work because that's what i wanted to do i could see stingley doing the same thing i'm just going to do what i got to do to get here now once i get to the uh the pros and once the money starts coming in more so than it did at lsu let's just say um then it's time to go so that combination would make me comfortable with taking him but we'll you know we'll see um we'll see what the Vikings do. We'll see if they have that option if he gets there at 12. But I, I think that would be hard to pass up if he is there at number 12. I think receivers will be fascinating in this draft. I think it's a pretty good class of receivers. And we've just seen receiver value in terms of trades and contracts go right through the roof. So now that you look at the Vikings, you got Jefferson who's young and, you know, might try to leave after this first contract, but he's a great player. If Thielen, who's getting older, still very productive in the red zone, but, you know, showing some wear and tear. Uh, you have Osborne's a good player, I think, and Smith-Marset kind of came on at the end of the last year. So you could definitely go through this draft and not take a receiver. But do you take a receiver because of what's happening around the league? 
I think you could. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that could be like a future play in terms of insurance for Adam Thielen in terms of, you know, because look, Thielen's been banged up a little bit, still a great, great player. Um, but same, similar to taking like if you were to take Kyle Hamilton, do you need need Kyle Hamilton? No. But are you going to need Kyle Hamilton in the next couple of years? Yeah, you probably are with Harrison Smith kind of uh kind of going uh, on you know on his way out um so i think it's similar with adam thielen the the one thing that i found that is super interesting to me jim is that um you're right in terms of like the market for receivers has gone up you know gone through the roof stefan diggs is signing big deals you know you have all sorts of uh, of players inking big deals but couldn't you argue like with the state of college football right now with just the state of the league in general that like receiver might be the new running back in terms of being able to find super productive guys in the draft deeper in the draft um, and all around the league. Uh, it, it just seems like there is a surplus of talent at that position. And so um, it's not, so for me, like, I don't know that I would say I need to spend a first round pick on a receiver, um, but uh, it would be a case of where like, yeah, maybe, maybe take a, take someone second, third, fourth round somewhere in there. But also if you need one, eventually you can just go back in the draft next year. There's going to be 10 of them that are coming out that are putting up huge numbers and running unbelievable routes in college and getting all sorts of catches and, and and things like that. It just seems like it's a factory now. Alabama has three great receivers every single year. Ohio State every single year. Um, LSU is is on that board too. Like it just seems like there are so much talent there that I I I, I do wonder if that market is eventually going to flatten out a little bit, and they're just going to say, look, we can go get any number of guys, and and we'll we'll still be able to have a kind of representative um production level if it's not stefan diggs if it's not Devonte adams if it's not that um to, to to kind of keep going by here that's just what i wonder yeah you know, that's a, a really good way to look at it uh, let's let's talk about quarterbacks um you and i both talked about the fact in the past hey if if you think Malik Willis is your, could be your next starting quarterback you almost have to take him at 12 you know and it's easy to say uh, when you're far away from the draft, it's easy to say when you're kind of just playing in, in fantasy land. Now that we're just a few days from the actual draft, Vikings will be on the clock here. Would you take Malik Willis knowing what you know right now? So, yeah, I, I think the way that I've sort of hedged myself in in basically saying that I've watched his highlights, um, that I've certainly read a lot about him, and – I like the idea of him. So I would take him if all, if, if my personnel guys, if I'm running the department, if I'm in Quasi Adafalmensa's shoes and Ryan Monins and everyone um, with Jamal Stevenson and everyone in that, in that room is saying to me, this guy has the potential to be a franchise quarterback for 15 years. And that's the evaluation on him. Then I would say, yes, we're taking him. Um, because I just think that position is too important. I still think that this team realistically is not one, you know, Derek Stingley away from being a Super Bowl contender. Um, so I would take him. Um, but, 
you know, if my guys were more lukewarm on him, just like, well, I don't know, you know, like maybe it will be that way. You know, you got to work on his accuracy. You got to work on this, got to work on that. Um, if it's, if it's deemed more of a, of a, uh, proposition where he might, or he might not, then yeah, then I would move on. And then I would, I would, I would stick with the guys with the Stingley with, you know, somebody that I know, maybe it's that maybe you trade down a few spots for that Tyler Linderbaum or something like that from Iowa. And, and, and you go with it that way. Um, but, uh, if, if your if your room to me, if your room has determined that Malik Willis is, has the, the, the potential to be a franchise caliber quarterback, I just think that that position is too important now. Um, and two years down the road, you have no idea what you're going to do with it. So if you can get your hands on him, get your hands on him, develop him, and then you know go off and run in when he's ready. Yeah, that, I guess the way I'd, I'm basically thinking along the same lines as you, the way I'd phrase it is I don't draft him at 12 so I have a future starter. I draft him at 12 if I think he's going to be great. 100%. And, he, and even if it may, it may take three years, may take four mm-hmm. years, whatever. But if I think he has it, if I, if I think he has it in him in terms of talent, work ethic, all those things to be great, then I can't let him get past twelve. If I yep. think he's just a, if I think he's a start, just a starting quarterback in the NFL, I don't spend the twelfth pick on it because I think you can get that kind of guy in a lot of different ways. Yeah, I think that's perfect. It's more succinct way of, than than me, but yeah, that's that's exactly my thought is. Um, to, to land a star at that position is the the game changer of all game changers. And so it doesn't matter uh, who you have around your roster, you know, kind of getting back to our, our receiver situation. If you think like he's the type of a guy who eventually you can just plug in, you know, your, your, your run of the mill receiver and he can have a great year. Like that's, that's who you build your franchise around. Um, but yeah, if he does not project that way, if he is more of a, you know, Jalen Hurts, if he's more of a Christian Ponder, if he's more of a, you know, uh, any number, Carson Wentz, like all of these guys who, you know, Ponder doesn't belong in that, but like just in in terms of like game manager, uh, you know, just reliable dude that comes in and starts games for you, but doesn't win a whole lot. Like that's not the, yeah, that's not the play. You make that play. Like the Bears went up and got Trubisky because they thought he was going to be that. Now he wasn't that. But they really thought that that was going to be he was going to be the guy, and so if you think that Malik Willis is going to be the guy, then that's the reason to take him. Um, it, but you, sh- the the luxury that they have with Kirk Cousins is they don't have to reach for that type of a quarterback. The Vikings had to reach for Christian Ponder back in the day, and they got burned. Um, but Cousins is good enough right now that you can hold down the fort w- with him there. And you don't have to like, just like hope and pray that a guy like that is, is going to be the next guy. So wait for it. But if you think that that's the case, uh, let it fly, man. Like absolutely let it fly. Final thought coming up. Thanks again to Starbank, starbank.net, Aquarius Home Services, TSR Injury Law, 612 TSR Time. Thanks again to our producer, Brandon Morton. You mentioned a fascinating name and Let's just say this before we start ripping whatever, whoever they pick. Because, of course, we're going to rip whoever they pick. Uh, Carson Wentz, mm. immense talent, accurate, athletic, and comes this close to being the MVP of the league before he gets hurt 
on a team that, you know, ends up winning the Super Bowl even without him. And since then has fallen completely apart. It's almost like the quarterback version of Matt Khalil. Matt Khalil yes. was a great pick. He was an excellent rookie. He was a great rookie. Uh, he helped Adrian Peterson rush for 2,000 yards against defenses that were absolutely stacked up against him. And then something happened, and he wasn't the same anymore. That's how hard it is to be a talent evaluator. You not only have to judge talent, you have to somehow figure out how good these guys are going to be three, four, five years down the road. Yeah, it's yep, it's a great point, Jim. And like, I think like Khalil and Wentz were different in terms of like, I think Matt Khalil was just too nice of a guy. Like, I I just think yeah. that he he was like. He, he, he didn't love the game. Like, he's a really big dude. His brother played. So he kind of went and did it. And he was just that gifted athletically that he could kind of do it even when his heart wasn't in it. Then he got to the NFL and yeah, had a little bit of success. But then if you want to sustain that success, like, it has to be inside of you. And he just didn't have that. Um, whereas Wentz, it feels like, even though it's it's kind of crazy to say, because he's come from North Dakota state, but it feels like he's like a diva. It feels like he sort of started to believe all the clippings about him and got caught up in like the fame of being a, a big time quarterback and maybe, you know, was selfish, maybe was kind of uh, hard to deal with like in the locker room and, and things like that. And so I think that was that case, but either way, regardless of the point your point stands is that um you have to evaluate so much more especially at quarterback but really with all of these guys you have to evaluate not only their athletic ability their ability to execute whatever defense or offense you're putting them in and and do it at a high level but also their ability to to kind of sustain because the hardest thing in the NFL is sustaining because it is so physically taxing. It is so mentally draining that you have to be three cuts above to be able to um, you know, kind of muster the fortitude to not only keep going, but to improve year in and year out. I mean, it, it takes a, a special brand of person to be able to put your body through that kind of punishment and continue to do it and then also if you are having that success stay focused and not float off into hollywood land and so um that's the challenge for all of these guys and i mean if we want to bring it back to malik willis like he's coming from liberty it's a smaller school like there's so many of the trappings that you know he probably hasn't been exposed to yet um, that are going to be different, both from what he's going to be asked to do on the field and kind of what's going to be happening around him off the field. And so, like, you just have to really try and get to the bottom of that. And I can see how that can be immensely difficult to do. And one reason that so many picks are swings and misses because there's just so many other elements that that add into it other than, you know, what they their physical ability and their ability to to either blitz or pick up a blitz or, you know, find the hot route. Like that's, it's just, uh, it's, it's a lot, man. It's a lot. No doubt. Uh, good stuff from John. We recommend subscribing to your favorite podcast app to either this show or the network as a whole. Great people across the talknorth.com platform, best sports lineup in town. Uh, we're going to do the Jeff Diamond show, the former Vikings general manager. We're going to do the Jeff Diamond show on Friday morning. So we can talk about the first round draft pick. Uh, this week, and then John and I will be back to do a review of the entire week. And of course, 
Uh, we'll continue to re- review the Timberwolves season as it progresses at the John Krasinski Show. Thanks again to Brandon Morton. Thank you for listening to TalkNorth.com.